As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. In 1936, Kansas City native Charlie Parker took to the stage at 16 years old and played so poorly that Count Basie's drummer threw a cymbal at his head. The act encouraged the saxophonist to become one of the hardest working musicians to ever live, and years later, Parker changed the music world forever. Since then, the music scene in Kansas City has gone through lots of changes, and this is a show dedicated to modern-day musicians who live and play in the Paris of the Plains. From Tribune Audio Network, I'm Kendall Swank, and this is the Crazeology Podcast. If you've heard Madison Ward and the Mom Bear before, you've probably heard this. This is Silent Movies off the band's 2015 full-length album, Skeleton Crew. I was told about Madison and Ruth Ward by several people before I finally dove in. When I did, I started with the most recent release, The Radio Winners. Walk this earth till this curse won't come back again. Be my road, be my home, my bad weather friend. Walk this earth till this curse won't come back again. Oh, child, good childhood goodbye, I try. You can hear there's an evolution of the music between 2015 and 2018, and their progression only makes their songwriting and unique vocals stand out more. My conversation today is with the mother-son duo of Madison Ward and the Mama Bear, but before we go to that, let's go back to the song that started it all, Silent Movies. Oh, 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 oh,
there seems to be like this huge difference between your 2015 album and your 2018 EP, uh, the radio winner. Why did you take your already unique sound and then create an even more unique sound? Like what, why not just stick with what you already did that got you all this popularity? Well, I, th- I think it was, it was sort of like a collective idea with the team that we were working with. They wanted to see what it would be like if we just sort of took the you know creative instincts that we already had and sort of just they they kept mentioning like let's try to take this to like the next level and see what that's like and it took a while to really realize what that would be for a band like ours because it's very you know roots music based and what would what that would be like trying to really think outside the box and go to another level so uh it was a lot more instrumentation and orchestration and uh it was the first time I ever wrote with any co-writers before, and um, but even the co-writers, they let me really take the lead on every um, you know instinct, and uh, ultimately it was a really cool sort of refreshing experience. And and whether or not we'll even do it again uh, is we, we're not sure. We might go back to I mean just the more stripped down duo stuff. So so you guys are gonna have to walk me through a little bit of this because. You're kind of an odd pair. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people <laughs> would. Well, I don't mean it as in like you're odd people, but. I know what you mean. <laughs> not a lot of people would uh, imagine, you know, uh, mother son combination. Right. And uh, so, uh, Ruth, I guess we'll start with you then. How did you come up with, or when did you start playing? And then how did you really get Madison involved? And then this kind of became its own project. Well, I started playing guitar. I've always loved music. Mm-hmm. And I started playing guitar when I was 19. And uh, then I started writing and basically doing what he does. And I had some a little bit of success with that and played with different people all the time and whatever. Uh, just played with um, mostly friends and around. I used to live in Oklahoma City mm-hmm. as well as Albuquerque, New Mexico. And anyway, so... And I started singing in a lot of coffee houses and things like that. And I was able to, a lot of people don't know this, when um, Teddy Kennedy was trying to run for presidency. Mm-hmm. And this was during you know, the time when they do all the talking and everything. Uh, I was able to open up for him at uh, Oklahoma University and at, at the college. There. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I, I wasn't, I didn't know to be excited at the time. <laughs> I just thought, well, they want you to sing for Teddy Kennedy. Okay. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, but at the same. Couldn't get job. <laughs> <laughs> see, see what, see what I got to live with? Couldn't get a job. A mess. And anyway, so, um, but, so, <laughs> that's, see, that's just too funny. <laughs> that's too funny. We joke way too much. Oh, yeah. But anyway, um, so then I got married, and I put my uh, music on hold and to raise the kids. I have three children. Mm-hmm. Madison is the youngest. And as they ate, you know, got older and everything, I decided to go back and start playing in more coffee houses and stuff. And um, Madison was interested. We bought him a guitar, his first guitar. And at first, he he didn't know if he wanted to do it or not. But eventually, he came around, and he started um, playing and also writing songs and things like that. And so when I go to coffee houses, I'd say, hey, Madison, because I heard him play at home. Mm-hmm. Why don't you play doing my breaks? And he goes, okay. Mm-hmm. So he started playing, doing the breaks. And then at home, when he was you know, writing songs and stuff, we started doing stuff together. And uh, just for the fun of it. And then I, when I'd go play, I'd say, hey, let's get up and let's you and I both do it t- together. And I did a lot of covers, tons of covers. And so um, we would do originals with him, and then I'd do my covers. And eventually it just kind of morphed into what it is now that people really enjoyed us singing together. And so, what do your other kids say, you know, since you picked the youngest child to be oh, your band? Oh, I didn't pick. It just happened. Kind of morphed into yeah, it wasn't it. like a Jackson 5 situation where she's like, you're going to be the lead. <laughs> and it was, uh, I mean, my brother and sister, they, they, um, they, they never wanted to, you know, try to take a stab at you know the music business or anything mm-hmm. like that and i didn't want to either it was really it was always something that we knew is our mom's thing it's, she played in coffee shops we came out to see her and we were so it was just like her style and everything it just we we were so acquainted with it at such a young age it was just 
it was it was something that it was all we knew you know of her and and whenever I started playing it was really more like like I probably never would have pursued pursued anything in music if I didn't feel that I had any sort of um like knack to to write a song or anything and whenever I started doing it and she said come on out to the coffee shop and people were now starting to request these originals and stuff and we were we started throwing out all the covers and only doing original music and mm-hmm. and we started doing it more and more frequently and you know you start seeing the same people that you saw that they're now keeping an eye on you where you're going to be at next and just for the fun and, of it. And, we, and yeah we were just like let's try to make some sort of career out of this and i i always knew i wanted to do to do some sort of uh, performing arts from a very young age. I didn't know what, what it was going to be, but I wanted to do, that was always an ambition of mine. So it was cool to be able to bring that to music in in the most, un, you know, a very uncommon way that I just didn't have that sort of drive early on. And then it just kind of, I kind of fell into it. And, uh, and yeah, my brother and sister, I mean, they, my brother is a real estate agent. My sister's a real estate agent. They, they both, they, they could care less <laughs> what, what we're doing. So, so being an artist, I mean, you guys have to open yourselves up to really pour out um, some of your inner thoughts. And is that sometimes difficult because you are family or is it just you're so close to each other that it doesn't matter if you want to write a set a, you know, a song that really gets introspective because the other person knows you so well? Um, I think it. I think it's really easy, actually, because <clears throat> also because of, um, of, of how I, I like to write. So I don't. I usually usually I don't let the listener too deep into what our own personal conflict is or whatever in but or if we do we're going to we we might just you know make it more poetic to where it doesn't have to uh feel like some direct line of your own personal struggle or anything but I've always looked at what we've done uh, through a duo lens so I haven't really looked at I don't I don't write a bunch of solo stuff like for for us to sing, but if I do, um, it's something that I know that she can harmonize on, and she can say, "Oh yeah, that was, you know, that's something that you feel passionate about." Like, let me go back that up, and we have a song on our um, uh, EP, the Radio Winners, called "Family Treason." That's all about her. That's not about me, but I'm doing most of the lead singing on it, and she uh, she was more than happy to have me do that. So it's. Um, Maybe it is because we're family. We just, we don't really, we don't mind at all. Yeah. Plus, I want to make a note, and that is, uh, Madison is, I might be prejudiced, I don't care, <laughs> is an excellent songwriter. And he and he writes more from fiction than real, a lot of real stuff. And um, so, and I was just thinking about this today, just how a lot of the songs, especially the new stuff that we're doing, um, is is incredible. The, the the lyrics are incredible, and uh, and I love lyrics too. But um, he just has that gift. Yeah, it's it's really interesting trying to break down some of your lyrics because you have like almost this blues style of call and response, mm-hmm. um, but it's in completely different music. So how did you really like develop like or or, or what what's kind of going through you? that this is the stuff that you're putting out but in this um this bluesy fashion that but it doesn't sound like that at all yeah um i'm not really sure like i like i've always liked uh my parents like really eclectic musicians uh growing up and my and my dad uh he was a really big tom waits fan and i mean still is but he would play tom waits all the time and and in musicians of that sort of ilk and i always thought that um i i when i saw like the level of creativity that could be brought to music and how there's no uh one formula um uh in in like the the real singer songwritery sort of roots based style of writing i mean that was always a draw for me like when i would hear just bob dylan just go sing a song that is just him and a guitar um and he's not he might not be doing anything crazy on the guitar but he knows how to find those puzzle pieces though to really make it very impactful when i saw like how simple that could be done that was a real uh, influence for me so i mean i i really wanted to take a guitar and make something as simple as possible that could still be very you know affecting so 
I mean, so it was always a roots sort of style. Sometimes it can be bluesy. I like, I like, I think folky a lot. It's very yeah. Americana. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's always kind of been the base for me. And then when it comes to writing, it's just, I like things that could be as bizarre as possible. My parents, like I said, they liked eclectic music. They've always embraced very weird uh, lyrics, very weird phrasing, weird sounds. And, and, and they, they've always been interested in that sort of stuff. And, in some of my most bizarre tunes that I would write, um, they they used to love that. They used to always they champion that stuff more than just you know you're like oh, singing about you know just some girl that you you know that you love. You know they would they would love singing about like if I sang more about like a girl who passed away who I used to love who I wish I loved or something like that. You know they they would like a spin on on whatever the content is, and I think that was always a drive for me. And and I love it too. Like we all, it's it's how we've all been able to relate to each other is through just very bizarre, whether it be a bizarre melody or a bizarre, you know, just story or anything. And and uh, I I try to put that into all of any music that we attempt. And if it starts getting a little bit, you know, unoriginal, I'll feel I'll feel really guilty about it. And another thing too is, um, you have to be who you are, and that's another thing. And uh, Madison, you know, he's, we have the melody, he's singing the tune. So I think, well, what do I do? So I'll just play some lead along alongside of him. And then I thought, you know, I need to really get with someone and learn to play lead really well. And then I thought, why not just be yourself, Ruth? Play what you feel, not what, quote, everybody else is doing, right. but play how you feel. And so some of the leads that I play on some of the songs are so simple it's pathetic but it comes out of comes out of me it's how i feel about the the song and um and i did the same thing with you mm -hmm. she would play in coffee shops and i would go play and i was just learning to play guitar and it was the simplest melody it's the simplest lead guitar ever and she knew people that played incredible and she would play with them and she thought they're they overplay they overplay i would play something that was very simple she was like that's what i want that's that's what is perfect for this song. Exactly. And, and we and we and so we both do that, you know, with to each other, realizing how the simplest thing can just be what's perfect and yeah. that and that's also the thing that gets that's what gets stuck in your head usually, you know. It's hard it's really hard to write a simple song, you know. No, and I'm I'm glad you guys brought that up too though, because I mean tons of musicians, I mean myself is included in this, um, they listen to uh these amazing guitar players. I mean John Mayer is an incredible guitar player. Right. You know, even if not everybody's a big fan of his music, he's amazing he's, on guitar. Oh, yeah. And course. everyone always wants to be that person on stage that's just ripping the guitar apart. And, you know, people get really discouraged because they just can't sound like the person they want to, whether they don't have the dexterity or the time to really practice that it right. takes to get there. How did you, like, really come to terms that you weren't really going to be, you know, this band that's just Jimmy killing Hendrix. it at all? Yeah, Jimmy <laughs> Hendrix killing it on stage. Like, well, I mean, I I never did have that ambition to do that. That and so that was a that was a big uh, that's a good starting point to sort of just know your your strengths and know what you and know what you love. And I mean, I I guess it's tough. It's tough whenever if you love something that is very very difficult for you to do or belongs to a very small you know group of individuals who you know it's a small percentage of people that can go do it it's hard to separate yourself from what you really love but thankfully like what i've always loved was a was something that i felt i could go take a stab at it was just that very simple songwriting i and i i remember i started songwriting like uh my junior year in high school probably and we would just me and a and a friend of mine we would just write we would try to write the most fun the hu- most humorous songs that we could just real it was real funny based and flight of the concordsy sort of stuff okay. and and I and I used to love that and, uh, and then we'd bring our guitars to school and we'd play it for kids in the class and just tr- and just try to make them laugh and and I early on and maybe because I didn't uh, have that. Um, that big aha moment. I didn't grow up looking at the Jimi Hendrix record saying, I'm going to be that. I grew up thinking like, oh, that's very cool for Jimmy. And that's very cool for my mom. And I'll go become something else. And then I started realizing I can actually make some sort of a, some sort of music. It came from a very 
weird, um, unnatural, but at the same time organic place to where I wasn't trying to emulate those incredible people. I was trying to just make those kids laugh. And I was trying to, and that com- comes from a very simple place. And I think in, in my mom, she could, she would make people weep like in coffee shops by just her and a, in a guitar or she would have um or wherever she was playing like and i had people my entire life come to me saying oh your mom she used to play this 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 back in the 70s or, oh your mom played this and she would make everybody would just be in tears because of her and i was like and i listened to her and i'm like she's not she's not ripping it up like Jimi hendrix she's getting just as much emotional depth out of something that she just you, you just devote time to what to where your strengths are and that's what I think she was doing. She knew she could play guitar. She knew she could sing. What else do you need? Like we all love basic melody from the time you're born. Yeah. You can whistle mm-hmm. or that's hum. The, that's the word is basic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could you could whistle or hum. Not saying that we're basic. But well, no. But <laughs> in the 2019 sense of that word. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, like a baby can like listen to melody and humming and, we, and they love lullabies. That's that's folk music right there, you know. You could and just keep doing that. Everybody's gonna, everybody comes back to that. You can go love Migos, and then you can come back to just somebody. You can come back to the Andy Griffith theme song, right? You know, I love just, that. And, and everybody can whistle that. Oh yeah, because it's just a if you can whistle. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, whistle. If I you can't. can whistle. Not great. <laughs> and, if you, and, and it's all about writing something that really, that just that. Hopefully, you can write something timeless, and then people will. Though they can love it forever. Yeah, the Andy Griffith theme song you mentioned, that's real simple. If you can whistle, it's real simple. But that you hear that, and you know exactly that belongs to the Andy Griffith show. You don't have to think any other. But you had to write it first. That's the tough, that's the craziest thing, is that it's it like, simple. it's so simple, but it's so hard to write something that is just so simple that can live forever like that, mm-hmm. which is incredible. One of the new songs off the radio winners is called Everybody's Got Problems. And Madison tells me it's about society as a whole and the fact that it just seems like we're breaking at the seams. We're all hurting some way or another, and maybe you can relate. This is Everybody's Got Problems by Madison Ward and the Mama Bear. We sit at tables like kids did. We thought that we knew it all. We sat beside an old fire truck wondering if this life would be more than enough and everybody's got problems don't you want mine everybody's got a place to stay everybody's got problems don't you need mine everybody's got a place Black coffee, you're wondering 
If you're enjoying this episode of the Crazeology podcast, make sure to check out the other podcasts from Tribune Audio Network, including those from Fox 4 Kansas City. You can find new episodes of Signal Hill with Nick Vassos, Ask Abby with Abby Eden, and Getting Comfortable with Mark Alford, all on fox4kc.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Crazeology podcast to keep up with new episodes and tell your friends if you think they'd enjoy an episode. Now, let's get back to my interview with Madison and Ruth Ward from Madison Ward and the Mama Bear. One of the things that I love that you guys do, and very few bands really do this, and you use your voices as an instrument rather than always just being a a, a tool to deliver lyrics. Right. So how did you guys really develop that to uh, to put out there, and you know, rather than having lyrics in certain spots? Well, I think it. I think that came from just you know, like our first record is called Skeleton Crew because it's it's really stripped down. And that's, I mean, it's it, everything we ever did just started from just the duo and, and neither of us are like we said, those Jimi Hendrix sort of playing guitarists. It's very, we like very simplistic melodies. And then, and, um, she's a much better singer than I am. I mean, I, no, I have I a whole, yeah, <laughs> you get us in a real, <laughs> in a real hall where she and let her do the biggest ballad ever. She like, it puts me to shame. And so. But we had, because of the less tools, it enhanced the creativity. So mm-hmm. it's like, how can we, you know, sing on this part to sort of flesh this out? And basically, it's trying to, it's it's like filler. It's just trying to to thicken the song pretty much. And and I and I and I always love that. And so like I'll like I'll whistle at times, or um, we'll try to throw in some uh, harmonic sort of oohs and ahs and just try to really do as much as we can with uh with just the tools that we have so it's like if we're not gonna go do a bunch of crazy you know rock out leads then we're gonna just try we're gonna use our voices we gotta come up with something yeah we gotta do something (laughs) start get some spoons out (laughs) ruth was that something even when you were doing solo stuff uh before the project that you would always include as well or is this kind of a new sense just no, specific I think to Madison it, Ward of Mama I think Bear? it's because when you're up when you're there and you're singing by yourself you want to make what what you're doing interesting not just I'm just singing a song but you want to you know there's certain ways you would use your voice certain uh, patterns uh certain what the way I play the guitar do I want to hit it for a little bit for it it's called the special effects, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. You just try to enhance everything that you do to, um, you know, just to, I don't know, just to really express yourself so that people can get it. Mm-hmm. You want people to get it. And so um, I remember when we found out that we were going to open for B.B. King, um, but, you know, this, it was, uh, what was it? October of 2014. 20, was it 14 or 15? 14. 2014. And uh, we thought, it's just you and me in front of this world, opening for B.B. King. But we did it, and it worked. And it was really uh, an incredible experience that we could just take he and I, two guitars, go on stage. You know, B.B. King had a big band behind him and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And it was just, but you know what? You have to feel confidence in yourself to be able to do something like that. All shyness has to go away. All, oh, I don't know if we can do it. All that has to go away. And you have to be yourself. And people know whether you're being yourself or not. Yeah, so totally. that's what we did. So when you guys started, you were, um, out, well, you guys still live in the Metro. Um, mm-hmm. 
what kind of venues were you playing? Like, right, were you just going back to coffee shops that Ruth you played before, or was this something where you guys were moving all around, or how did you how did the touring it. start? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you can share that, Madison. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, um, we uh, she had played in some coffee shops locally because we're we are from we're from Independence. And she uh, she had been playing in a few coffee shops there. And when I started playing with her, um, I, I I played in the ones that she played in. But then whenever we started uh, really just wanting to kind of hone hone in on what we were doing, um, uh, we were like, let's we we wanted to play all the coffee shops that we could uh, before like going to play anywhere like in Kansas City. And so we would do that. We would uh, go out to Leewood and go out to, you know, um, Overland Park and Lee Summit. And just uh, we played in farmers markets and we played in the city market and we played uh, we played anywhere where there. I mean, because that that style of music, just like a duo, two guitars, they, they they welcome it a lot in those sort of areas. And so once we felt that we had done that for quite a while and uh uh, we recorded an EP uh, together in 2012. We were like, uh, I think at that time we were like, let's try to go in the city and uh, uh, let's go play at a record bar. And, um, and that was the first place that I ever reached out to um, for us to play. And uh, I had, uh, you know, sent like some videos that we had done in, um, in uh, Steve Tulipana, who did a, the still does, I think, a lot of the booking for uh, the record bar. He said, "If you can have a uh, act join you, come on, come on through and and uh, and come play, and uh, and so that's that's what we did. And um, but I really loved the way that we did it because I felt like just every almost every weekend it was just coffee shop, coffee shop, coffee shop, and and we and we'd invite some people, but I loved it whenever we could go in and have nobody that knew that we were going to be there, and then slowly build." Um, a nice audience by the time you get to the very end of the night it was it was kind of like it's like being like a comedian and trying to just go and you know get your chops and get your uh you know find out what your voice is and everything and i mean and i i mean i think for i you know implore like songwriters to do that because i think it's it's really beneficial and it's really um it's fun in that that um workshop stage to do something like that what's it been like going from coffee shops to playing you know with bb king or playing these huge arenas and and what are those other musicians saying to you guys like when you're walking off stage like uh what like bb king or i mean any of the gigs that you've done where you've opened up for somebody big or obviously you're you're playing much larger venues now than just coffee shops right right what's that been like to be starting from just this what maybe 50 people can fit in certain coffee shops right and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're going to like 5,000 you know mm-hmm. 5,000 10,000 seat stadiums or mm-hmm. uh ball ballrooms well you know, go oh, go ahead. Go ahead. what i do is people say aren't you nervous aren't you freaked and i thought no because when i we go to these big places i just zoom in my head they're in my living room and they're at the world out there they're in the living room and so i, I so the nervousness is gone you know, because that's how I view them. I, sometimes I'll even share that on stage. I say, hey, guys, come into my living room, and I'm going to play for you or something. And so you make a connection with the people. Mm. But, yes, it, it is. it can be overwhelming if you let it, even when you're playing for some heavyweights, you know, behind them or whatever. But I don't know. Just I, They're all in the living room, we'll just say it like that. Yeah, and at the end of, at the end of the day, like people, they want you to do well. People don't want you to fail. I mean, it's like, it's not like uh, going to see like a ma- magician where you kind of where you kind of <laughs> want them to make a mistake, right? <laughs> like they want you to do well. They want you to do well. So uh, ultimately, if you just if you really try, you know, and you really give it your all, um, they they can sense that on you. They know that you're being genuine and. Uh, and it can, yeah, it can definitely take away from that anxiety. And I think we're probably getting away from your question a little bit. But, um, like, I've, I've had times where I truly felt that, um, like, I wasn't up to par performing-wise and or um, lost my voice completely. And I'm like, well, this is, you know, a disaster. I can't, you know, this is not, this is not a show I'm really proud of. 
and that could be a show where I get the most accolades ever, you know, and, and, and I always realize people ultimately, they want you to, they, if, as long as they know that you're up there doing work, mm-hmm. they appreciate that. And, uh, and we've definitely, uh, as far as those other musicians, I mean, we, they've been encouraging from day one. Uh, they know that we're, uh, that we're trying to, we're trying to do something that at least we find unique and that we're being very true to ourselves. And, um, I, I can't think of any musicians that we've talked to coming off the stage opening for them or, uh, or whether it be like all in a round sort of a bunch of musicians who have, who have, uh, give us, given us any sort of bad, um, vibes or anything like that. It's been really supportive and, uh, in, in that, in that, in that sense too, like, you know, you start from independence, you start from the coffee shop, then you go out there and you start to get into this music business in the world and you have no idea what it's going to be like. It's been a very embracing sort of community of musicians. And, uh, it's, uh, it's been really, it's been really, uh, re- refreshing to be a part of it. Can you share with him about the guy, old crow medicine show? What about the him? guy that, um, catch? Yeah. Introduced the guy that introduced us to, told you about your songwriting oh yeah um oh geez i'm blanking on his name there's a guy who does a lot of uh uh i think his last name is Stubbs. yeah um, Stubbs. i can't remember his first right. name uh but he's an announcer at um uh he's he's done announcing at uh the uh the ryman auditorium in nashville and we went to open up for old crow medicine show and uh uh, oh, he's an older guy, and he's announced people for like from like Elvis. He goes back quite a way, so he has a lot of years. Yeah, and he came into our dressing room before we were going to go on stage at the Ryman to, uh, on a New Year's show, and he just he just said, uh, "Hey, he's like real deep, you know, are you Madison?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "All right, I've been watching your stuff on YouTube," and I was like, "Oh, thanks, man." And he was like, "You gonna play uh, your original music tonight?" And I said, yeah, I think we have just one cover, but I think the rest is going to be original. He said, oh, that's good. He said, you know, they'll hoot and holler for them covers, but you'll make them learn to love your originals. And I was like, (laughs) man, I love this guy. It was the most, uh, like, just reassuring thing of just of a guy saying pretty much like, go be yourself on stage and just really like they will learn to love who you are, you know. And I just thought that was that was really good advice. Yeah, that's really cool. So how do you guys pick your covers then? I pick the covers. Oh yeah, not all the time. Uh, well, he some, but I because I'm I'm the one that usually sings most of all the covers, and uh, they have to do something to me though. I can't just do a cover like when we did um, the Kaufman Center just recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked um, Bridge, Bridge Over Troubled Water, mm. and but I like to take that. Any of the cover songs, I make them mine, like as if I wrote it. And um, so I just I just, just transform the song. And what's encouraging is when people can come up to you later and say, hey, I liked your ver- version better than the other version. That's a huge compliment. And then on top of that, I just have to feel what I'm singing. That's just the bottom line. And mm-hmm. I, just take, I just take it and make it my own, period. And then he joins me on those two, and I don't know, just it works. Yeah, I think it um, like because I mean I I do choose I I'll choose a cover every once in a while, but I really like it has to be something where like I'm I'm never seeking out to go find a song that somebody else did that we can go play on stage. It has to be like man, like you just heard something, you're like man, that's kind of interesting. I had to I just got to go figure out how that went real quick. And then you start to build this whole thing, and you're like, you're like, man, we're really enjoying playing this. We're we're uh, we like the version that we're doing. I'm like, why are we not going to play this? And I know her, uh, my mom. She'll she'll go and seek out a cover, and I. But I that's where her and I really differ. Like I'm, I, I'll I'll tell it. She's like, I got a cover I want to do. I'm like, what is it? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> which one is it? Because I I just love being able to. Uh, to try to do as few covers as possible and still have a really good night, but but we love to throw one in every once in a while. I mean, we yeah. did Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, and that's one that oh, we cool. that we uh, we we like to play that one all the time and and recorded it actually in L. A. as a single that came it's on out. Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. So I mean, 
we'll do them every once in a while, but I try to, if we can do few, as few as possible, then I'm really happy. Right. So let's get back to one of your songs. Um, it's from your first album, uh, Undertaker and Juniper. <laughs> so this song is, I mean, for, for anyone who hasn't heard it, we'll play it here in a second, but for anyone who hasn't heard it, um, this is like a great example of just telling a story. Right. Like, was there any sort of influence behind it? Or was this something where you just really wanted to tell this this uh, fictional story? Fictional story completely. And there was, uh, and yeah, there was nothing behind it. I, I, I just... I'll, I I'm a mel- more of a melody writer. Um, like I mean, I I love lyrics, but melodies are gonna they come to me first, and then so I start messing around with the melody. And some of the first things that I just shout out, uh, like become the thing that the whole entire song is gonna be about. And I just started really loving this idea of a person who is sent to you know, uh, pretty much um, a hangman basically, uh, who's who's going to take the life of someone who was con- wrongly convicted and uh but he falls in love with her right before he's going to pull a lever and just i just that entire idea to me uh really uh i don't know i, I couldn't stop thinking about it and so um that's the same as <clears throat> like like right now i hear hear it because i wrote it a long time ago now i hear about it hear that idea and i think of game of thrones that's all i can <laughs> that's all i can think of but i mean you look at something like a game of thrones it's like this is like these are fictional stories that touch on real human emotion and that's the thing that can't be fictionalized no matter what at the end of every song no matter how bizarre uh the the human emotion is the thing that's the non-fiction and so if you can convey uh human emotion through a fictional song it's like how fictional is it you know and that's what i really love about stories like that ruth is that something that you were able to do when you were writing songs before this project or is is, so how how did you go about it as well kind of like with matt like madison get the melody first i remember one time i was this is you know when i was single and was in my living room and i had the my door open and it's just the screen door and I heard these birds, you know, just making melodies and stuff. So I, I ended up writing a song about that, you the, know. The bluebird? Yeah, yeah, that's where the song Bluebird came from. And uh, and I wanted songs to be real, I, about the homeless, about people that were having a very, very difficult times. And I, same as Madison, fiction writer, you know, songwriter. And, um, and just from emotion, I wanted people to to identify with what i'm talking about oh i know somebody like that or uh, i've experienced that you know and uh very few songs are about love and falling in love and all that stuff that's a fiction song (laughs) hey that's a real fiction right but uh but i wanted it to be about life and more realistic you may think that a song about an undertaker falling in love with somebody right before they execute them sounds like a strange idea, but the story is beautifully told by Madison and Ruth. This is Undertaker and Juniper off Skeleton Crew. I got
the undertaker couldn't breathe. He got head to his wish to be with Juniper came true. I love that you brought that song up because I, I mean, that's one of my favorite songs. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, when people mention that they, they, uh, I don't know. I feel like those are the kind of like how my mom was saying, like, do, do people get it? You know, like i sometimes I feel like those are, those are, uh, those real songwriter enthusiasts who really, they really, they see what you're doing there and they really get it. And it's not about being swept off your feet in the very, first few seconds of the song and I've had a lot of people come up to me about that particular song and I uh, remember I remember my uh, a friend of my dad's uh, met a woman uh, not too long ago uh, who they were having a baby uh, and their baby was named Juniper and the lady's like oh you know I have a that I have a friend uh, whose son wrote a song called Undertaker and Juniper from a band called Matt and they were like yeah, that's why we named the baby after that song. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and they were like, the, we love that song so much and that we just named the baby Juniper after that song. And I was like, and I, I haven't met these people, but um, but just hearing that um, was, uh, I, I, I love that the real obscure genreless sort of tunes can be the ones that really grab people. And um, and yeah, I've had people come up to me about that. And, 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 and daffodils. The song Dead Daffodils. I had people come up and say, now, now who was Mr. Foreman? I said, well, Mr. Foreman is whoever you choose. Oh. <laughs> 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 you know, I don't get out much. But anyway, <laughs> typical Ruth is all I got to say. But they want to say, who was Mr. Foreman in the Dead Daffodils? So do you know I'm Mr. Foreman? Nope, just whoever you want Mr. Foreman to be. Mm-hmm. So you get to choose who you want Mr. Foreman to be. Mm. what's that been like for you guys to go from just local band having people named babies after your songs (laughs) i mean that's freaking amazing that's like a crazy thing to happen like to have to be that that impactful on somebody else's life that's what you know you're doing right when they're naming babies after you (laughs) or making babies because of you i don't know look uh, you know what it was woodstock no um uh, yeah I, i don't know it's been a it's been a it it feels really um rewarding and just very uh it feels like the it feels like you've actually done something that has really affected people or, or touched people. And I can't say that I can just find anyone off the street who's going to love music that we're making. But but um, whenever you have somebody that comes to you and says, hey, you know, my wife had a brain tumor and we listened to your music the entire time while she was in recovery or um you know, uh, hey, my uh, husband was uh, killed uh, killed over in the war, and you have a song called "Fight On," and that song made me uh, really reminisce about him. and And some of the smallest things I had, so even very small things, I had someone online say, "Hey, my um, my brother and I, we just our our dog had died, and we buried our dog, and and uh, and your song for some reason, one of your songs kept on." 
going through our head and we just listened to it that whole day you know uh after we were real somber about losing our dog and i was like it just shows you the power of music and the power of art of art in general and uh and that's why i love it that's why i not just love music but i mean i love movies as well i love film i love the type of effect i love how stand-up comedy can make people very happy or it can make them make very angry you know i love that art can just play on our emotions in a way that is so visceral and taking taking us out of the mundane for just a second and that um it's uh i i don't think there's any better gift than that when it comes to uh making you know any type of art whenever the moment you realize that does it ever get you guys emotional when you have people who come to you with these emotional stories Oh, totally. Yeah. I, um, I usually, I feel it deeply, but I don't, um, I I don't usually start tearing up, but like, uh, but that, that did happen to me though. Um, uh, on our last tour that we went on, uh, I think we might've been in Baltimore, Maryland or something. And a lady had told me about how, um, her, her son had, uh, it was his birthday and I guess he had passed away like a few years ago and it was his birthday. And she said, all I was going to be doing today was like just having the most miserable day and spending time at his, um, you know, going to his site, his grave site and everything. And she's like, it was going to be the worst day for me. And, and then she said, but I saw you guys were coming to town and I went to, to your show thank you for letting this day be more than what it was going to be. And she started tearing up and she's just sitting there and she's, um, and I just, I just hugged her. I mean, I, um, like that's not a thing I normally do, but I, I just hugged her and I was just, you know, I welled up so much and, and it was, it's those kind of moments where you realize, uh, you don't even, it's not even you just being there is enough. Just being there. You don't even have to, they don't have to go to your show and think, oh, you were the most amazing live act. Sometimes it's, uh, I bought your album once and you're here right now. And that is, that is something that's really moving for me and helping me through this, this time. You, you can help, like, it's incredible how much you can help people through just through the tiniest gestures, you know, mentioning something on stage or just talking to someone and being genuine with them, not, not feeling like, uh, you're just, you're just talking because they want you there you actually engage finding out who they are in that you know in, in that five to ten minute span or whatever and uh in that uh yeah it's it's very emotional it's very uh it can be heartbreaking and it, it can be very fulfilling when you're dealing with these serious situations do you take these experiences and try and create more out of them so that other people have more of the music that impacted the person you talk to or not necessarily uh, that it's, it would be intentional, but it, it, do these turn into songs ever? Um, these moments with people that you're I close th- to, or that you get close to for a, for a quick moment. I think they can. Um, and you know, I like I will say like uh, the longer that I've played music and just the longer that I'm experiencing life in general, the older I'm getting, it's it's it it becomes very. Um, it's 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 hard to not do that to to start to start to channel some of these experiences or life's experiences or uh or uh or even a just very specific stories that you've told like i've written i think three songs recently that are about actual stories that i've heard and i never used to do that it was uh i i made up the story that i wanted to hear and um but and, I, and i'm still making up the stories but i um but i'm i'm now starting to inter- intermingle that with writing from these experiences and i wouldn't say that i i would probably never i probably wouldn't write about somebody's story directly that i that i um that i met like on the road or anything but um but yeah i'm sure i can from feeling that those emotions in that time i'm sure we can we we take bits of that and uh and and put it into the emotion of uh of a song or or maybe just maybe even it even comes down to just how you feel whenever you sing the song you you think of for some reason you think of that story every time you go sing this mm. and it just puts you in a frame of mind in a a frame of uh realism that you just 
you can't help but use to you know convey the story you're trying to tell so i mean it's really endless i mean you're you're pulling from all parts of everything you, you experience really mm-hmm. yeah it's hard to say what makes people connect with a song but almost everyone has one that they remember and it reminds them of a specific time in their life like Madison said, it happens the other way as well. Musicians use a memory to write and convey emotions. Madison has a song like this called Yellow Taxi. It's a story he wrote based on a trip with his father in Nashville. And before we hear more about the song from Madison, let's check it out. This is Yellow Taxi off the 2015 album Skeleton Crew. say uh my dad and i um there was his sister passed away and she had a funeral out kind of not too far from nashville and uh i was at and i was working with him or i was at work and he was like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna go to my sister's funeral we're not very close to our outside family but he was like can you come with me 
and uh, uh, would you like to come with me? Um, it's it's right outside Nashville. And me being the weirdo that I was, I was like, oh, can we stop at Nash? Can we stop in Nashville on the way out there? Because yeah. I really wanted to see uh, Nashville, and he didn't take any offense to that. He knew that Madison doesn't know his aunt that well. He. You know, he he wants to go out and see this place as well as go be there for me. So he said, yeah, let's go do it. And we went out there and we went to the famous Bluebird Cafe where you never know who's going to be there songwriting while you're there. And while we were there, um, I think it was uh, uh, the guy who wrote um, tie, a, tie a Yellow Ribbon around the old oak tree. I think it was Tony Orlando who wrote that or he, or maybe, or he performed it. Yeah. But uh, they they were all singing it around, and uh, a guy sings. One of the musicians sings that song. So tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree, and whenever he sings it, every single person in that Bluebird Cafe immediately knows the lyric. They jump on it, and it's the most loudest, raucous thing that you've ever heard. And it's just folk music. It's just a guitar, and it's mm. and it's just a really good chorus. And I remember at like I think I was 19 I remember just thinking I wanted to I wanted to make that I wanted to make something that I felt was something that everybody could jump on and the the and I even have the 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 color yellow in my course it's just last night I slept in a big yellow taxi mm -hmm. and uh I and we started playing that in coffee shops and sure enough we started we actually got to a place to where the entire shop was singing this song and I was and I couldn't believe it that that it, it was just it was a, a influence from that one experience that one night of going out to Nashville with my dad and and just trying to kind of recapture some sort of uh, feeling of uh, of inclusion amongst a, an audience to sing along with you. So that's really where that comes from. And the rest is just the, that's that's the way I like to write. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the Crazeology Podcast. Our episode today was produced by myself, Kendall Swank, with production assistance and editing done by Mike Simpson. Make sure to check out the Crazeology Podcast wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes and tell your friends if you've been enjoying these conversations. Until next time, this is Walk in the Park off Madison Ward and the Mom Bears EP, The Radio Winners. Thanks for listening. In slow motion, waiting at the station. Time will tell where we belong. Holding on, holding now. We all wait for morning, but it never comes out at midnight. We need something more than sitting.